this book here is uh, is not an easy book, the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. Um, it is written in uh, poetic, like it's part of the the, the five books of um, the poetic part of the scripture. And it is uh, written by Solomon. And I feel like it's a, it's a kind of a special book. Um, so we understand that Solomon wrote three parts of the scripture. We, we, we read before the, um, the Proverbs. And if you read like the first few chapters of the Proverbs, or especially the first chapter, you understand that Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs or these parts in Proverbs when he was very young. And then after that, we read the book of um, Ecclesiastes, which is talking about like the experience of Solomon and his experiment in life at the end of his uh, of his life when he was an old man. And then we come like to a book. It's considered to be um, the meaning of the of the of the title of the book is um, the a song of songs or is the best song ever of Solomon. We understand that Solomon wrote many, many uh, in the book of um, uh, Chronicles and uh, Kings. We understand that Solomon wrote many uh, poetic parts and uh, many songs. So this is considered to be the song of songs. This is the top song of, of his writing. And it's um, if we can think about like the 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 tent of meeting. Uh, the tent of meeting has um, three major parts: the court or the outer part, which we can see the wisdom under the sun, which is the book of Ecclesiastes. And then we come later on inside, and we see the holy place, which is man learns to fear God. The fear of God and the wisdom, which is the book of Proverbs, which is the second book that Solomon wrote. And then we come to the, the holy of holies. It is the heart, it's the love of God. And actually, the, the book is, um, has different characters. But the main two characters into in this book are two, which is the bridegroom and the bride. We can see other characters like they probably don't don't participate much, but maybe refer to them and probably replying in a verse or two. Um, the daughter of Jerusalem and another characters like um, uh, the keepers of the wall. And read about for those people um, between the lines and um, in, in the whole book. So, but before we go into into the uh, details about book, I think it's important for us to understand that uh, man lost something very, very precious and important at the time that he decided to take the apple or take the fruit and disobey God in the time of the Garden of Eden. Because 
we we read in the first few chapters of uh, the first chapter, the first few verses um, in chapter two and chapter three in the book of Genesis that man had a relationship with God and the Lord was walking with him and talking with him and Adam enjoyed this relationship and it is very important to understand that it is very difficult for Adam to live his life running away from God, feeling guilty, and also feeling that something special between him and God was broken. And this love relationship and, um, and companionship was very precious. And when Adam lost this position, he since then started to search for any mean that he can satisfy his hunger for love. Until nowadays, I think it's, uh, we see it everywhere in the society that man is hungry for love and trying to satisfy his love by any different mean. But at the end, we see what is happening. Man is still searching. His heart is not satisfied. And the, the void is getting, getting bigger and bigger. And man, man feels like he's distorted and, and there's something wrong and something he's miss, missing. So when we come to the book of Ecclesiastes, um, sorry, book of Song of Songs, we understand that there's God revealing something important to us. It's something that he loves us. And he wants to, he wants us to enjoy this relationship with him, the relationship of love. And there's no such picture more beautiful than when God came, created to Adam and, and, and brought to him Eve in the Garden of Eden. And Adam, once he opened his eyes, he found his wife and God himself was the planner of this kind of relationship. So the marriage and the love between a man and a woman established, established in the Garden of Eden. And the one who planned that and the, the one who was engineering all of that was God himself. It is not also a coincidence that the Lord Jesus, the first miracle he did, it was in a, a wedding. And it's repeated again and again in scripture about the fact that God created man and woman one and they have to cleave together. And then they enjoy 
the love relationship. This is the relationship that can be satisfied in our human dimension here when we are on earth. Man loves his wife and the wife loves her husband. And this relationship became more revealed to us in the book of, um, of Song of Solomon. Because when we read this book, we will see a language of love. And this language of love is using a poetic structure to address to us like how is God's heart revealed to us in a, in a simple language that we can understand. So if we go to the book, we will find it is, um, it has eight chapters. And the first chapter speaks about the bridegroom starts to talk about her beloved husband. We can subdivide this book into six parts. But before we going forward, I would like to say a few things. So we can take the the Song of Songs literally as revealing the language of love between the husband and wife. Or we can take it from a poetic, uh, sorry, a, a prophetic uh, view, which the relationship between the Lord and his people. And not only his people Israel, but those to be more specific about the remnant that they will come return back to him after the tri tri tribulation. We can discuss this part later on if you want to ask more questions about this part. But I think Michael had this um, banner and um, explaining, you know, the times of the prophecies and what is going to happen after the rapture and then the tribulation and then the remnant will come back um, uh, to the Lord Jesus. And this is here is more uh, specifically this, this book about the relationship between those remnant as the bride to their bridegroom, which is the Lord Jesus, that being uh, refused by the Jewish nation. And he's still being refused by them now. And then suddenly they were realized, oh, this was the one that we actually pierced at his side. And this was the one that we uh, expected him to come. But he came and he died on a cross. And then they were turned back to him. So the third thing we can apply this for ourselves as individuals in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Some people would, would apply this on the, the church and its relationship with the Lord Jesus. But I will feel like it's more about like the individuals. Because we understand in the Old Testament we don't see a picture of it. Uh, or we don't have a, uh, a direct prophecies or anything about the church. It's still like a hidden. It's a mystery. But we can see 
um, the relationship between the Lord Jesus and the believers as individuals. But we can see here also in this book a progression of, of language happening from the bride to the bridegroom. But if you read the whole book, you will see a kind of uh, fluctuation happening. Sometimes the bride loves the bridegroom and sometimes like she, you know, came cold and then her love restored back again and then goes down again and so on. So this kind of relationship, um, it is characterizing the nation of Israel. And, and also the, the most important thing here, when we read the whole book, we see at the end, it's the language of those who love, uh, I mean, like the, the bride loves the bridegroom, but she's not sure about his love to her. And that's why we cannot apply this to the assembly, because we understand that the Lord Jesus loves his wife, loves his assembly. And, and the evidence of that, that he paid, he died for her. And gave himself for her. So the language here is a language of someone he didn't have 100% grasp on this love. But a language of, of, of a doubt. There's some doubts, up, ups, up, ups and downs. But let's look into the, the, the chapters and or the parts of this book you will find something very important that the love of the bridegroom is constant all the time. But the love of the bride, as I say, like goes up and down. So if we go to the first part, which is from chapter one, from verse two till chapter two, verse seven, it speaks about the assurance of love. And then from chapter 2, verse 8, to chapter 3, verse 5, we see the awakening of love. And then the, 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 the part 3 of this book, from chapter 3, verse 6, until chapter 5, verse 1, the communion of love. And then the fourth part of this is from chapter 5, verse 2, until chapter 6, verse 12, is the restoration of the love. Fifth part, from chapter 6, verse 13, till chapter 8, verse 4, the witness of love. And then the last part, speaking about the triumph of love. And, and this is from chapter 8, verse 5 till 14, which is the triumph of love. So as I said, like it's a, it's a, a series of dialogues, but mainly the main characters, are the bride and the bridegroom. We need to also to remember that um, in the Old Testament, 
especially the book of Isaiah and Hosea. There are some references about the bride and um, and we'll read that actually. And if we go together in Isaiah ch chapter 62, verse 5, which is uh, following um, Song of Songs, uh, Isaiah 62, verse 5. And it says, For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall you son, your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejo rejoice over you. It's a prophecy about what is going to happen at the end of the days. When after the tribulation, when the Lord will restore his relationship with Israel. Um, it is also other few verses in, in the book of Hosea, chapter 2 and verse 14 and 19 and 20. Um, it speaks about similar um, relationship. Um, in the New Testament, it's, it's, uh, it, is, um, it is very difficult to see like a direct relationship, except what some uh, commentators would say, like um, what the, John the Baptist mentioned about who has the bride is the bridegroom. And the friend of the bridegroom shall rejoice for him and could be um, reference to the Lord Jesus and his relationship with Israel. But apart from that, um, um, I, I, I don't recall any other reference, but probably we'll leave this part for other people to comment on, um, on it. Um, so if we say that um, the Lord Jesus is revealing his heart to the believers and for us to have benefit out of this book, we see that he is all the time, he finds in us like he finds us perfect, which is something amazing. How, how does that happen, you know? Because we are, um, we, we, we do lots of bad things. But how does the Lord Jesus see us as perfect like this? I think the answer is because of his blood. The Lord Jesus, when he paid the price and he died on the cross, and we are, being washed in his blood, washed our sins. And like the story of Adam, when Adam being kicked out of the garden, but, but he wasn't naked, he was wearing the robes of skins. It's covering him. So he's not naked anymore. He's covered with the skins of the animal that was slain and to protect his nakedness. Um, some other stories mentioned in the book of Ezekiel and, um, and how the Lord um, um, uh, uh, found Jerusalem and um, washed her 
and redeemed her and gave her um, uh, uh, sandals. And how it turned back against him and betrayed him. And how he still, because of the promises to, his, to the fathers, that he's still seeking to restore her back. So we can, we can reach a conclusion from this book. Which is, the love of the Lord will be always constant. Whatever happened to us, whatever our situation is, the Lord will still love us. And this gives us like um, a solid foundation that we, every time if we do anything wrong, it is better to go back to him. It is better to run to him and opening our hearts, say, Lord, Lord, we did something that we shouldn't do, but we know that you love us. And it is not that we begging his love, but we are sure that his love is constant and is not going to change forever. So probably this the few thoughts about the book and um, would be good like to have some comments and Thoughts, questions. I know there's a there's a passage in the Song of Songs that I just love. I'm sure others love it too. I first heard it as um, I guess I was a young man in a meeting listening to a brother preach, and he wasn't preaching from the Song of Songs, but he was preaching about the Lord Jesus and. He quoted from chapter 5, uh, verse 9, to the end of the chapter, so from verse 9 to 16. And he quoted it off by heart. Um, he was just standing there and um, he quoted it. And the way he quoted it, I, um, like, I'll never forget. Like he, he really it felt like he just enjoyed it. It was something that he had meditated on and enjoyed and um, it was something precious to him, just the way he was speaking the words um, of these verses. And these verses speak of the Lord Jesus. Um, it's a question to the bride um, from the daughters of Jerusalem. What is thy beloved more than another beloved? And then she replies, and her reply is this beautiful discourse in, uh, or this beautiful statement about the Lord from verse 10 to the end of verse 16. I won't read it all, but I guess I'll just put it before everyone for your own. You can look at it later on or read it in your own time. But there are so many beautiful things you can take out about the Lord in, in this passage. So you've got an example of the progress of understanding um, or um, how the love of the bridegroom changed the heart of the, of the bride. And in chapter 2 and verse 16, the language of the bride says, My beloved is mine and I am his. And then it goes to chapter 6 and says, same again, 
in, in, a, in a different language. And in verse 3, I am my beloved. I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. And then I think it goes to later on, and in chapter 7 and verse 10, and this is a realization of how precious is he, and she actually forgot herself. And it says to him, I am my beloved, and his desire is toward me. So it is, it is him now. It is, it is not me. I'm, I'm not in the scene. It is him. So this is a progression that the Lord will take uh, the believer. And also, if we apply it on um, prophetically, so his people in the end to realize that he is the everything for them. This is a, a nice comparison between Ecclesiastes and the Song of Songs. I think we note, noticed really strongly with Ecclesiastes that Solomon spent all these, his money, all his efforts, all his energy to try and find something to satisfy his heart. And he found that there was nothing big enough to satisfy his heart. His heart was too big for any of those objects that he tried to fill it with. But um, in the Song of Songs, it's the other way around. The object of affection is too great for the heart. And so on the side of the, the bride, she says in chapter 2, verse 5, I am sick of love. Not, not, a, not our language, you know, I'm, I'm sick of it, I've had enough. Um, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm sick in my heart because of love. It, it's just overwhelming me. At one point, the, the bridegroom says to the bride, um, thou hast ravished me with one chain of thy neck. Just one, I, I guess, one vertebrae was enough to overwhelm him. When you think of the Lord Jesus, you know, he found a pearl of great price and he sold everything that he had to obtain that pearl of great price. So from his perspective, um, what he has set his love upon is immense. And from our perspective, well, he, he's too great to fill our hearts. And then you get to the end of the book, um, another one of those unusual expressions, um, chapter 8, verse 7, at the end of the verse even if a man gave all the substance of his house for love, it would be utterly contemned. Contemned is a funny old word meaning despised. Solomon could, could spend all his money, all his riches, all his wealth, all his wisdom, all, all, all his efforts and all his energy, and he could give all of that, and all that ended up for him was vanity. But... Um, Having an object to love, one upon whom he could set his affections, um, that's far greater than, than stuff, than material things, all the substance of his house. And I guess we learn that as believers, don't we? That um, we, we, we try and fill our lives, our minds, our um, our hearts with all kinds of things. And 
None of those things satisfy. Only the Lord Jesus. I guess then there's there's an encouragement for us in this, um, in the comparison of the two books, not not to be um, occupied with the things of this world, but to spend our time and to spend our um, our attention being occupied with Him. Um, just thinking of the language between the bride and the bridegroom in the Song of Songs. It's intimate language. It's um, detail um, about one another. It's the, the things that are found precious in the sight of each one towards the other. Um, and we should be encouraged as, as believers and as Bassam's told us that we can, we can apply this book to our individual relationship with the Lord to find those things that are precious in, in the Lord and to enjoy um, those things. Um, to to spend time in the scriptures and to find the detail that we that we can take out little gems, little things that we can um, delight in and enjoy, things that will just um, fill our our hearts with with joy in the meditating on them. Um, so just an encouragement to apply the relationship that we find here in our own personal walk with the Lord.